You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the greatest free web TV show and podcast on Global Trade Logistics and Economics. I don't know, it's probably better than anyone you have to pay for, too. Yeah. Available today, uh, Global Trade This Week, brought to you by our good friends at Cap Logistics. I'm Pete Mento, and with me is the esteemed, venerable, um, world-renowned Doug Draper. Doug, how's it going, buddy? Pete, I'm doing great. We're on the back end of uh, Memorial Day, the official, unofficial start of summer, so things are going well. I'm uh, good. Good weekend. I did more. Um, just nothing really big this weekend. <clears throat> So I'm all sore. I was doing honeydew projects at the house and I woke up this morning I'm like my back is sore, my hammies are sore and I'm like I'm getting too old for this stuff. It's uh, my brother says you got to outsource that shit. So I think that's what I need to do. My good friend Hector says that he's a job creator. So <laughs> when he gets a list like that, he he finds somebody who's probably better suited to do it. Yeah. And um, he asks them to do it and um, he creates a job, you know, like outsourcing it. So yeah. Yeah. Not a bad idea, buddy. I, w- I went for a hike. I was telling you and Keenan, I went yeah. to Chantney Falls and the White Mountains, and um, I'd like to make it sound more uh, more woodsy. Uh, you know, you and, and Keenan were always talking about all this outdoorsy, rugged, Coloradan stuff. I just really went for an uphill hike outdoors to look at a waterfall yesterday. That's all right. Amy and Haston. It was fun. It was a lot. I... <laughs> I I will admit I, I did I did enjoy it. I will be doing a lot more of it. So yeah. I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I did not enjoy being eaten alive by these seagull sized mosquitoes that we have in New Hampshire. But other than that, it was great, man. I really did enjoy it. Good. Good, good. You know, nice. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Let's get this party started. Let's do it. Right, go ahead. Right, Doug, what do you got for us, buddy? So my first one uh, goes back a little bit to my comment last week, and I know we don't like to talk about the same topics multiple times, but last week, my electric vehicle and EV situation was personal. Uh, This one was some some news that popped up. I saw on Freight Waves that popped up earlier this week that talks about um, California trucking regulations specific to drayage companies. And the one thing that caught my attention is how fast this new regulation is coming on board. So without going into details and all the acronyms, essentially, if you are defined as a drayage company in Southern California, you're going into the port to pluck containers and move them around. Effective January 1st of 2024. Now, I want to put that into perspective, Pete. That's 253 days from today. 250 days is that if you want to expand your fleet, the only thing that you can purchase is a zero emissions truck. Again, 250 days from now, if you want to grow your fleet, you don't have to retro anything you already have. But if you want to grow uh, zero, not low emissions, reduced emissions, zero emissions. So here's <clears throat> here's the thoughts that came up with that, Pete. First of all, where the hell do you buy a zero emissions uh, truck that's capable of hauling 40,000 pound ocean containers, right? Uh, there's not a lot of choices out there. And when they are, they're extremely expensive. And oh, by the way, a lot of the drayage companies are mom and pops because it's short haul. Um, it's not like, uh, you know, some of these, uh, JB Hunt and Schneider and Swift, 
they're not messing around with drayage in the port of, New, of, uh, of Long Beach. So not only like where the hell do you buy one? Um, my gosh, they're pretty expensive. And oh, by the way, I got to charge it every single night. So where the hell do you charge it? Well, you're gonna have to buy a charging station. Well, where the hell do you get that? Um, they're backlogged. You don't have the ability. Your facility, Pete, doesn't have enough power to hook up an EV charging station. So you're 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 in a rock and a hard place, right? So it's just weird to think the shocking thing, Pete, again, 250 days from now, that rule goes into effect. And the infrastructure to support it is non-existent. I experienced it as a, uh, a consumer just with my personal vehicle on the rental car. This is a whole nother level. And it's, uh, it's scary. I think what's going to happen is that fleets are going to get redefined as not drayage companies so they don't have to comply. And, you know, you know, I get it, right? But the swinging of a gavel in Sacramento, California, doesn't really understand the implications of, uh, of the realities when you deal with the mom and pop that has to be compliant. They may want to be compliant, just like I want to be compliant, but the infrastructure is not there. I experienced it firsthand last week, and there's no way in hell that these companies are going to be uh, available. So there's not going to be any new, any new equipment purchased. And if it is, there's so much lacking to keep it moving forward as far as the trucks charged moving around. And eventually there's going to be less trucks that are zero emission to perform this work. So that means more congestions, more delays, more problems. So anyway, I just, uh, the EV thing I know we spoke about, but this one was just kind of a, a shocker for me and I wanted to bring it up. So I don't know if you've heard about that, Pete, or have any take on it. Yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of thoughts on this. So the first one was, um, as always, compliance for me, compliance and enforcement. So my first question was, who is responsible for enforcing it? It's kind of the operator. So when you when you bring your truck in, they they are asking you at the gate, is your truck hybrid? Is it diesel? Is it electric? Is it gas? You got to prove it to me. So guess how you prove it? You've got a barcode on the door or on the um, you know on the windshield of your car, and they they hit it with the you know with the thing. And mm-hmm. then you've got to you've got to be able to prove to them what it is, but there's no there's no one place where they're keeping it, so it's all being done on paper by the port operator and by these people that are managing this. Which is it's not done by the state; it's being done by the port operators, which are private. And they have to report all of this to the state, and then the state is determining how to hand out fines and penalties, which are essentially a tax. So if you wanted to continue to do this, that's fine. But you're going to end up paying a fee or a penalty, which is in effect going to cost you more money, which mm-hmm. is going to end up being paid by us. So are you going to get these trucks eventually? Eventually. Are you going to want to go out and seek them instead of paying these fines and penalties? Of course you are, because you don't want to end up being more expensive than somebody who doesn't have them, which mm-hmm. is how they're going to get people to eventually do it. But if there's no trucks to be had, how are you going to be able to compete with people who have them? That goes, that's that tail, you know, right that. I have a yeah. friend named Greg Haber with Babico who built a software system that can manage this for these small truck fleets, you know. Um, and it, it's certainly going to help, but it has to be adopted. Mm-hmm. Who, who's going to push the ad- adoption of this stuff? And I, I guess we'll see with all that. 
But it's one more instance where they thought of something where they thought they could help without thinking about how they were going to enforce it, whether or not the infrastructure could handle it, if they actually had the equipment available for people to deal with it, if they were going to come up with a way to finance it for people, what they were going to do with the existing equipment. So what do you think is going to happen to all these diesel trucks? Are they just going to disappear? Is mm-hmm. Thanos going to snap his fingers and they're all just going to go into mist and float away? No. You're going to end up someplace. There was an excellent article about all these gasoline cars that are being resold in Africa right now to, to consumers in Africa who are happy to buy them and drive them all the live long day at reasonable prices. They're not buying electric cars. Mm-hmm. And people are still making parts for them. And they're going to be driven for a long time. Um, yes, we're going to adopt gas cars, electric cars. And yes, that's going to be the case, but that is not going to make a dent in the problem until industrialized countries like China and India stop polluting the environment. We're not going to make a dent into it until consumption goes down and the people that are using our desire to consume lower their actual CO2 creation to make us stuff that we probably don't need in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, California sets the stage, right? So hopefully they, if they falter or have some problems, there's going to be a lot of naysayers that say, see, I told you. So there's an extra layer of, uh, <clears throat> let's get it done right. It's just going to send more cargo to other ports. It's just going to yep. send more stuff to the East Coast where it's going to continue to increase the value of that space and keep prices higher on the East Coast. And I'll tell you, after spending a lot of time with the ports over there, they are happy to take that cargo. And they're doing a damn good job with dealing with the congestion out there. And people are pretty happy with the service that they're getting in New Jersey and New York and in Jacksonville, you know, all over the place. Um, Savannah, for darn sure, Charleston, the list goes on and on. So California can keep shooting themselves in the foot um, between labor shortages and regulation. They are set up to absolutely excel out there. And this is just making it harder and harder for them to do so. Yeah, yeah. Well, good topic. Hopefully our listeners will make some comments. Um, shifting gears, my friend, what's your first one? Yeah, uh, for me, it's the debt ceiling. So I did a trade school about this two weeks ago. And over the weekend, there was a, a bit of an agreement, you know, a compromise that um, Mr. McCarthy came out and said that he and Mr. Biden had come to, which is fine. But that's nothing if Congress and the Senate don't agree to it. And it has to go through the Rules Committee. So a couple of things about this agreement. It's important because if we don't get the debt ceiling increased, for those of you who aren't aware of this, it doesn't allow our government to go out and borrow more money to continue to keep the government spending money um, because we don't raise enough money in taxes to allow us to spend the money on services that we've agreed to do. And the agreement in kind says that we will um, not continue to increase spending in areas outside of the military, um, except for a few percentage points in the future on non-government, on non-military services. It's all well and good. But there's a few things I wanted to talk about this particular agreement. The first is, oh, do I smell bacon? Boy, is there some pork in this agreement. Not the least of which is that Mr. McCarthy has dialed into here a pipeline, a pipeline that he has been trying to get done for some time for his district, uh, for his area. So there is an actual natural gas pipeline that will be done for his particular area where he's a, where he represents for his people. There is also a, um, a study that will be done for artificial intelligence. 
to be used to permit certain environmental policies. So to review permits and to approve them to see if it can be used for other government services to eliminate human beings. Depending on where you sit, that could be good, right? Taking people out of the jobs could be bad because, you know, Skynet, humans living in caves waiting for Arnold to come kill us all, but whatever. Um, there's all sorts of things that could be done here, and it's going to have to go through the Rules Committee, where there are a number of Republicans that were put on this committee specifically before McCarthy could be given the speaker seat exactly for situations like this, because they were very, very concerned that he would fold to the more liberal types, um, and they're not having it. So there are some very hardcore right-wing conservatives who are going to do everything they can to make sure this doesn't go forward until they get exactly what they want. This is not done, Doug. We might be celebrating a little bit too soon. And we have till June 6th. June 6th. And then the government could have some real problems refunding itself. And that's another topic for another day. But I think mm -hmm. we might be celebrating a little bit too soon. But one of the things that we all ought to be doing is taking a look at the things that are in this bill that have nothing to do with us raising our own credit card limit. And that's the pork that's involved in it. For those of you that are just regular old voters like me, boy, is there some eye-opening, interesting stuff that happens to be inside of it. Yeah. I think that last comment, Pete, just nails it, is that, you know, the, the, the top line and what makes the headline is the debt ceiling. But, but really, it's another way for politicians to position what they want that has nothing to do with the uh, intended discussion uh, at, at the table, which you just called out a few, a few of them. It's, it's crazy. It, 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 it's yeah. baffling to me. And it just, well, let me say that. It's not baffling to me. It's disappointing that everything that comes through is all about the pork belly spent. You know, what, what can we do? The fat pork to get through what our agenda is. And, it, uh, you know, we're at the precipice of this chaos on June 6th, and it's still happening, right? Yeah. This is another one, Doug, where you and I talk a lot and can talk a lot about if we could just record the show before the show. <laughs> yeah. um, the things that we said today about, about um, you know, the, the debt ceiling. This would have been another one that would certainly get the show taken off the air. But, boy, was it some fun stuff that we talked about today. <laughs> yeah. One of these days, Keenan is going to be days. shaking his hand. He's going to be shaking his head, and his finger or elbow is going to hit the record button, and then we're done. Hot mic. Hot mic. Yeah. Hot mic. Yeah. All right. So that takes us to our next phase of the show, which is halftime, brought to you by Cap Logistics. Uh, please visit their website and their services um, uh, for uh, logistics and transportation needs. We wouldn't be here without them. So, Pete, let it rip, man. I, I, I like your halftime. Go for it. Halftime. Halftime. So um, Doug and I have had many spirited conversations about his complete lack of taste in film. Um, <laughs> just suck, suck, suck. You know, um, he does like some great movies, but he's just not a movie guy. Like, I'm a movie guy, and I love movies. Um, I have an enormous television where I do watch movies at home, but it's just not the same for me. I love going to movies at the movie theater. I like um, sort of the new style movie theaters where I can recline my seat back. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I can sit in those big loungers and I can get a 700 ounce Diet Coke and some of that, some of those, those, um, you know, the big thing of popcorn and, uh, <laughs> and sit there and just be drowned in sound and video. Just, wow. I love that. I absolutely love that. And then going with my daughter to see these um, Marvel movies and fantasy movies and stuff and just, just be blown away by it. I love it. 
over the course of the last couple of weeks, because it was Memorial Day weekend, a lot of great films have come out. And also there's a lot of other great ones, like Indiana Jones comes out soon, the new yeah. Indiana Jones, which I'm looking forward to. Um, but a lot of great films have come out, like Guardians of the Galaxy, which I saw with my daughter, which we loved. I'm sure Doug doesn't even know what the hell I'm talking about because it's a comic book movie. Um, of course, the new Spider-Man multiverse movie is coming out again, Doug. No chance in hell you'll be seeing that. No. But I did see um, two comic uh, comic movies, comedian movies, which came out. One of them from a very wealthy friend of mine who, when I knew him, was so poor. Back when I was a comedian, none of us had any money. The idea that any of us would be able to make money doing a podcast or, or talking on the Internet was absurd. Uh, I would still be a comedian if that were a possibility. But I saw The Machine by Burt Kreischer, which uh, was a lot of fun. And I got to see Sebastian Mascalco's new movie about my father, which was also a lot of fun. Neither one of them is going to be winning any Oscars, but I wanted to support comedians. And uh, these were clearly films that were that were released for theatrical release to make some money and get the buzz going so they could be released for streaming so that everybody else could just watch them on TV. And Doug, that's beginning to feel like what movies are made for, that mm -hmm. we're – with limited exceptions, movies like Maverick, um, these 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 uh, DC and, and Marvel movies and Star Wars movies, it just seems like movies now they kind of given up. But they're they're just they're, they make them for the movie theaters for maybe a weekend, where the hardcores like me go there and and watch them, and then they're like, yeah, we'll see on Netflix in a couple of weeks. And man, that's really bumming me out. I want people to make movies for the movie theater again because I enjoy that experience. And um, I'm thinking they might be giving up on me, buddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm not a big movie-going guy, but I would agree. Um, the Maverick, my daughter actually went and saw Furious X this weekend, which blew my mind. She said, That's Love another it. one. Yeah. That's one you got to see in the theater. But, you know, from uh, Jerry Maguire, when, um, what's the gal's name when she said, you had me at hello? What, what was that? Uh, yes. Yes. So whenever you you had me when I was taking a when you were just at the beginning of this talking about laying back in the seats, I pretty much only listened to half of what you said after that because I'm picturing you with your 700 pound Diet Coke and a bag of popcorn oh, yeah. leaning so far back that you're just cleaning your hands of all the butter on your shirt and you're kind of spilling your drink and you got shit nope. in your beard. And then nope, you get up nope. at the end of the movie, and it just looks like nope. you had the most amazing time. <laughs> You're like, that guy's hardcore. <laughs> Pre-Amy, pre Doug, that was the case. But she makes me bring yeah. in napkins. All right. All right? Yep. Now, also, pre-Amy, I would never have brought in a flask of Captain Morgan's to put in my Diet Coke. But she's also taught me how to do that because she has a big purse. So, you know, I also might have a cocktail during some of these films as well. There, there you go. But, but yeah. Yeah, she's the reason I, I'm not covered in popcorn at these films. <laughs> Cleaned up your act a little bit. <laughs> All right. So uh, the, I, I got two two things for uh, for halftime. They're both really fast. But I just saw this weekend that uh, another company, I think the seventh company in existence, is now has a tri over a trillion dollar valuation. And shocker, it's in the um, – uh, the AI space and a company that makes chips specifically for the uh, regeneration. It's called uh, NVIDIA. 
N is in Nancy, V-I-D-I-A is now a $1 trillion company. Apple's like 2.7, Microsoft's 2.4, Google's 1.5, Amazon's up there. And it got me to thinking that, you know, a million dollars, a billion dollars, a trillion, these are just numbers that are being pushed out there. At some point, I was thinking, what's the next thing after trillion? Uh, quadrillion. And it, 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 two things. One, it wasn't that long ago whenever Austin Powers came out and um, Dr. Evil was you know, talking about $1 million ransom. That was 1997. Mm-hmm. I looked it up and people were laughing about how little a million dollars is nowadays, even 25 years ago. Uh, it's just comical to some degree that you just have these valuations on companies that a trillion dollars. So the question I have is when you go to a quadrillion, is that a trillion trillions or a thousand trillions? I, I, I truly don't know. Do you know? A trillion would be what would be a thousand billions. So that would be a thousand, a thousand trillions. trillions. Yeah. yeah, it's unfathomable to think <clears throat> that you would have a thousand trillions in a valuation of a company at that level. But who would ever thought a trillion? So my, my point is like all these numbers are just too too large to comprehend right i mean if you said apple was a 900 billion dollar company or a 2.7 trillion i'm like all right well does the phone work can i text my wife when i need to text her i don't really care what the valuation is but it's just it's crazy it's nuts yeah i I mean and i it's, it's it's in our lifetime too that's that's the other thing i I remember playing around with like the little Apple computer at my neighbor's house and everyone telling me, Oh, it's the next big thing. And, and there's also that line from Forrest Gump, you know, Lieutenant Dan bought us a stock in an Apple company. We didn't have to worry in a fruit company. We didn't have to worry about money anymore. And it's, it's that, it's that ridiculous that in our lifetime, you could have bought Apple stock and not have to worry about money anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's going to be the case. So what's that next big thing? Is it, is it artificial intelligence? Is it, is it you know quantum computing? Is it genetic medications? Is it space exploration? What's it going to be? Hell, I don't know. I'm fifty something years old. I'm going to be dead soon. Hell if I know. But it, yeah. it will be. There's some twenty year old who's working for some company who's going to crack the code on the next big thing, and it's going to be that quadrillion dollar business, man. Yeah. And um, man, I just don't care enough. Like I get excited when I buy a new pair of Under Armour sweatpants. So I yeah. give a damn. I just don't care. Glad you're in the same the same camp. So here's the second thing. This will be real quick. <clears throat> Casa Bonita update. It's the end of May. They made a commitment to open by the end of May, sometime in May. So we got one day left. We haven't heard anything here in Colorado, but they did release the menu, Pete. And you've not been to Casa Bonita, but here's the deal. There's only a, the menu is very small. You're not sitting down and somebody's coming over to take your order. You, you set up shop and you're walking through there and you get eight choices right there's enchiladas there's there's some beef chicken and seafood you got to throw in a salad you got to throw in a vegetarian entree and some sopapillas and stuff but the menu's out you can check it out online there's only eight items that you can uh choose from so some people may not realize that you don't sit down and get waited on and here's this big plastic menu like you'd have at a normal Mexican restaurant, you got eight choices and you're going to be fed them on the way through the line. So anyway, no, no official opening date yet, but the menu's out. Doug, have they made a commitment to make the food any better? Or are they sticking with the same just trash? 
Mexican no, they, food. They made a big commitment. I don't know the the head chef or whatever the the, the moniker is that they give them, but uh, the uh, South Park guy said they were going to clean up the food, which uh, we'll see. That, that's a bold statement because if anybody doesn't like it, um, it, it, it will be known for sure. So they say it's going to be better. We'll have to wait and see. They only got eight ways to throw in beans, rice, and cheese, right? So we'll mm. see how it goes. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go in full Cartman costume. I'm going to have on the mirrored sunglasses. Cartman is the sheriff. I might even buy a big wheel. Like, it's going to be full respect my authority when we go. It's going to be absolutely awesome, bud. I can't wait. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, you're going to bring us home, so let me jump into my next topic here real quick. And I, I decided this morning that this is going to be episode number one of analyzing uh, peak season predictions, right? Okay. Um, I saw something pop up on my feed the other day about, oh, my God, peak season, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> and um, my take is there will be a blip, but um, it's not going to rebound, obviously, to COVID levels. And I don't think it's even going to rebound to, like, 2019 peak season levels for, for a couple of couple of key reasons, Pete. One, uh, interest rates have been high for a while now, and people, as much as they complain about it, have kind of figured out how to live within those means, right? And so taking a loan out or going into debt on your credit cards to buy big ticket items, I think people are, are smart enough and realizing that that's not needed. So there's not going to be a lot of big ticket items that pop up. Um, people forget that the peak season also encompasses back to school. Uh, my wife's a first grade teacher, so I, I stay in the know of, of kind of the academic scene, at least for elementary school, Pete. And the, the shopping and the the chaos um, is not the way it used to be, right? I mean, COVID, you approach school, not so much elementary, but you get into middle school and high school, um, the big push isn't quite there to go to the store and get your notebooks and your pencils and your new outfits and all the other things that come across with that. Will it be there? Yeah. Is it ever going to come back to the levels when you were, you and I were going through those formidable years and spending tons of money? Uh-uh, it's not going to happen. And, and the last thing, Pete, and then I'll get your read on this. There will be purchase orders made. They will just be smaller. I've seen that personally with some of the accounts in, in the warehousing business. Yeah. Hey, we're bringing in it, but we're 20 to 30% less than what we brought in last year because we still got 2022 stuff we got to push out the door so um it's not going to be a major blip that could change but that's my gut feeling for right now episode one peak season predictions it will be a, a small bump on the road but it's not even going to be back to pre-covid levels couldn't agree more doug I, I i go on linkedin every day you know and i catch up on stuff and it's just all these all these prognosticator on ocean rates they're trying so hard to make them interesting but we all we, i mean we, we all know it's like yeah um they're flat they're super flat and here comes peak season and nothing's gonna happen and yeah. they're trying so hard to make them juicy and i'm just reading them and it's, I mean, I mean I, I'm talking a lot about comedians today but um, I was in Baltimore once at club 357 and I got to open for this this old like comedic care of mine back before I got like super filthy dirty. His, his name was Kevin Meany, and he he had um, he had like this catchphrase where he'd say, uh, "You're in the seat." He's like, I, "I just don't care," and he'd say, "I don't care, I don't care." He does not care. 
He does not care. And I'm, I'm reading all of these prognosticators. I'm like, I don't care. You can, you can try all you want to make me care. I don't care anymore. I just, I don't care about ocean rates right now because there is nothing that's happening economically in the world right now to impact what's going on. I don't care. I don't care. Here's one great way to prove to me that nothing impactful is going to happen. Ready? Has anyone seen any real attempt by retailers to liquidate stock mm -mm. at a Target, at a Walmart, at a JCPenney? Has there been an extra Amazon day, Prime day? Nope. No one's trying. You know why? Because people and consumer confidence is exactly where it is, and they're making excellent margins on super inflated prices. So they're just holding out because everybody's – everybody's corporate earnings are doing just fine. So they're not trying to liquidate things. So who's getting screwed right now? Chinese manufacturers. Yep. That's where the problem is. So they're not purchasing from overseas. So that's going to continue to put deflationary pressure on ocean rates. I don't care. I don't care. He does not care. He does not care. You can try to make ocean freight rates interesting to me all you want. And now that passenger aircrafts are getting full to the gills. They're, they're, they're actually doing more flights and people are traveling more this summer. Guess what's going to do air freight rates? Those are going to go down too because no one's moving air freight. So that's actually going to start to go down as well. I'm telling you, dude, it's going to be a tough, tough summer. In the words of Banana Rama, Doug, it's going to be a cruel, cruel summer. A cruel, cruel summer. Awesome. I love that. Banana Rama. Haven't heard that name in years, yeah. but I, I remember it was three three girls or two girls yes. and a whole trio. Yeah, yeah. there's a trio of attractive young ladies that I will never be able to erase from my memory. Yes. As a young man in the nineteen eighties. Never gonna happen, yeah. Doug. Yeah. I think that's a good pivot away from that topic and let you jump into your final one. Well, my final one, this has something to do with air freight. So yeah. um, the the, uh, the thing that I've been finding a bit interesting and fascinating is the uh, the addition of, of, I guess you call it asset-based air freight services by what had normally been companies that would do anything to not be engaged in asset-based regular air mm -hmm. services. It's quite common for a freight forwarder to do leases and to do, um, I guess you you consider it, you know, doing that lease um, on a spot basis, you know, if they had to. Uh, but certainly the idea of, of having regular service was not normal. But in the news recently, there's been a lot of hullabaloo about two particular companies, DSV and Kuninagel, having regular service from Asia into the United States. And doing it in what you had talked about for a long time into what would be, I guess, considered B-tier airports. So for, for DSV, it's happening in Arizona, in Mesa, Arizona, outside of Phoenix, and for Kudanagal in the um, uh, Mobile area. Uh, so that would be a subset of Atlanta, the Atlanta area. Atlanta mm -hmm. being one of the biggest hubs in North America, but also being uh, historically extremely congested, but a massively important area for automotive manufacturing, for EVs, the same for Arizona. Um, so you've got Reno there for Tesla. You have all these things that are happening out there. 
and then for South Carolina and for Alabama, for Mercedes-Benz, for now the new Scout, which is a pretty awesome looking car if you haven't seen it that Volkswagen is doing, like the old International Scout. They're doing mm-hmm. an electric version of it. It looks awesome, by the way. Um, so both of these companies are doing that, and they're going to have regular service with leased aircraft, 747s, I think, um, going back and forth from Asia, and then continuing routes for global service. DSV is going to be going to South America and then heading their way back up to Asia. So it's a regular routed service. Um, Kudernagel coming from Asia um, into the United States and back. So these are two companies that are generally an asset light company, don't like to really get into that service, that are making the investment because they see it as a necessity for the future. They're not UPS, certainly not FedEx, but they see that hole in the market they see an area where they can make a tremendous amount of profit, and they need the regularity in order to service that growing place, that growing market, and they're getting their foot in the water. So it'd be fun one to watch, Doug. Yeah. Yeah, uh, initially, I guess not even initially, but it just be careful. Be careful, <laughs> right? Um, <clears throat> and then I started thinking while you were talking just now is that maybe, first of all, the leadership in these organizations aren't stupid. They, they have develop successful operations. And, and, and so um, maybe they are predicting the way companies are going to be writing purchase orders to say, you know what, I don't want all my money tied up in a, in all my inventory that's on a boat that is coming into a congested port with all the problems that we've spoken about. So maybe I get some Uber direct uh, flights into key markets that I can dump them into an infrastructure that already exists like Atlanta, and um, customers will pay a little bit more without having to have so much inventory tied up or money tied up in their inventory and just saturate the market and just pump it a little bit at a time versus this massive 50 ocean containers on a bill of lading where all their crap just sits in a warehouse. So maybe they are angling for the new way companies will be um, uh, uh, managing purchase orders a little bit at a time, get it into the market as fast as possible and have people buy it as quick as possible so their money's not tied up. So anyway, I was just thinking about that when you were uh, recapping your topic. I think it has a lot to do with avoiding congestion. I think it has a lot to do with avoiding LAX and avoiding Atlanta. Um, and it reminds me of back when I first started in this kooky business and I was at Panel Pina in Boston and they started their own direct air service into Bradley, into Hartford for IBM. Mm-hmm. When IBM started making um, laptops back in 1990, and um, you know they had their own direct air service um, coming into there for for basically the same reasons. Uh, back then, it was for semiconductors and um, laptop parts, and this is really for electric vehicles and mm-hmm. for those two particular areas where those are being made, and for avoiding the congestion of JFK and and all that. So this is going to be, an, I wonder if other companies will follow. Mm-hmm. I wonder yeah. if other companies will follow, but it's these smaller airports that make it so interesting to me and, and being able to avoid California basically and being yeah. able to avoid Atlanta. I, mean, I guess we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for this week's edition of global trade this week. I think we've covered transportation, international trade, some domestic, you and I have complained about all kinds of different stuff. I don't think I have to say get off my yard yet, Pete, but maybe I will in a LinkedIn post. Nope. Um, nope. But we, we checked the boxes. We had a beard. 
What's that? We didn't make fun of, we didn't make fun of Keenan Sharon Beard though. We'll have to get that next week. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <clears throat> we we've checked all the boxes except for that one. A slight mention because you just did that, so we're kind of almost there. But uh, we'll have to do that next week when we come back um, and give you our pontifications and our perspective on global trade, um, international transportation, logistics, the whole nine yards. So thank you all for listening to us. Thank you, Cap Logistics, for helping put this show together. And uh, Pete, I will catch you in seven days from today. All right. See you next week, buddy. Thanks, everyone. All Take right. care. Take care. Take care.